And if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Malik. I'm one of the pastors here at Greenhouse Church, currently serving as the pastor in residence. But I'm excited to hop back into our series today talking about who we are. Right now, this isn't just a message or a series about who Greenhouse Church is. If it would stop there, y'all could have read that somewhere and we could have stayed home and ate breakfast and I have to rush and got dressed this morning. But instead, this series is about who we are or who rather who we aspire to be as individuals. Does that make sense to everybody? Does anybody have somebody who you're not yet that you want to aspire to be? If you don't, I advise you to set some goals, please, for your own sanity. Right? But this is who we aspire to be. And so we're going to talk a little bit about one of these fluencies today. But before we do, I'm going to hop into the text and we're going to pray a little bit and then see what God has to say. If you don't mind, can you join me standing, please, as we get ready to read? We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 online, open another tab or look, it should be your whole screen by this point. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll be looking at verses 9 to 12. All right? If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. There's a giant screen behind me. We'll call it Sky Bible, and we'll read from that today. And I'll read, and it says, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those whom need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Let's pray. Jesus we're going to talk a little bit about generosity today, but it doesn't make sense to, uh, for us to discuss it without you. So Holy Spirit, show up in the room. God, touch me as a communicator. Touch all of us as listeners, myself included. Let everything that we say today be done to the glory of your great name. In the magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. You can have a seat. Thank you, guys. Right, and so if you haven't guessed it, because the word was in there about six times in the verse. Today we are going to talk a little bit about the Greenhouse Church and really our heart's cry, we'll call it generosity, right? And so we'll ask the question, I hopefully try to answer it today, the question I want to ask is, how do I become more generous? But before we hop into that, I have a real question for everybody. Have you ever wanted to make more money? Right? Some of us are like, yes, yes, please. Right? Like you shook your heart, your earrings almost came off. Right? Because we all desire to make more money. We all desire for some of the loose ends to be tied up a little bit. Listen, eggs is about $200 a dozen. Rent is $65,000 for a studio apartment. Tuition's going to cost you your first and your second born. All of us desire to make more money. But here's a question that kind of sort of bothered me as I was preparing this sermon. I have never asked if I wanted to be more generous. I wonder if we were to quantify all of our lives and say, how many times have I asked God for more money? And then how many times have I asked God to be more generous? 
I don't know about you, but the numbers would be shocking, right? Like it would scare me and I don't even know how to add properly because you see, we have a problem. And the problem that we have is fairly simple. It's the opposite of generosity. It's not ungenerosity, it's not dis, it's not ingenerosity. We have a problem, what the word we're looking for in the problem that we have is greed. We have a greed problem, a problem that our society continues to reinforce. Right, like everything around us is asking, how much money you make? How much money you got? Everything around you is asking for more money. I feel like every time I get a notification, it's a bill from somebody. I don't even want to check the mail no more because nobody going to tell me that they miss me. My landlord is never like, I just wanted to see how you're doing today. I just really, no, 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 no. Every time they come, it's another bill. Every time I grab my phone, it's a little old, and it takes a little bit longer to turn on than I, than I, than I would like. I'm like, Jesus, please don't let me need a new phone. God, I just, I don't have money for a new phone, right? Like, we, everything seems to be pulling it from us. And then society continues to remind you that you need to make more and you need to keep having more. You see, greed is a symptom of a problem, but greed exists where scarcity and lack control you. Greed exists not out of a place of God's abundance, but out of a place of worry about tomorrow. That's where greed exists. And then it produces pride in you because you felt like you earned what you have. Greed does something to you. Like, can I tell you something I realized as I was preparing the sermon and reading this text? Greed exemplifies a lack of faith. When you keep grasping for everything, it means that you do not believe that God is the one who gives it. Because if you did, you would believe that he would give freely like you believe he gives everything else. And I don't just say this as some sage on the stage who's got it figured out. Listen, even as a pastor, even as whoever I am, I struggle with this just as much as everybody else. How so, Pastor Malik? I'll tell you. At the beginning of every year, I do my budget. I pull up my Excel sheet, and I run my numbers, and I'm like, okay, generosity is here. Bills are here. Car payment is here. And this year, I was doing it, and I had set a generosity goal for myself. And this year, I put in that generosity line, and I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And I got to the end of the budget to my pocket money line, and I was like, where can I free up some money? And I, and I was like, I, I got to pay rent. Rent got to get paid. I'm not getting my car repo because that's ghetto, right? Like, I'm not doing none of that, right? I'm like, I got to eat out. So I can't touch the cheesecake factory budget. So where am I going to pull this money from? And I went all the way to the top, and I saw my generosity goal, which is higher than, right? So I was like, okay, let me just pull, like, a, a, a 2% back. You see, what happened in that moment is I was willing to take from God what he had given me because I did not believe he could give it back. And so I don't say this as someone who has it figured out. I say this as an individual who is wrapped up in the same problem that we all are. Greed is terrible. And you see, if I could ask a question, who wants to be more greedy Ain't nobody going to raise their hand for, I saw one person in the, oh, I'm still praying for you. You're going to get saved one of these days. I know exactly who you are. 
Jesus, your grace and mercy. But anyway, for the rest of us who do not desire to be more greedy, how does it happen? How do you end up in a place where all you own is more money? Where you believe that if I just got paid five more dollars an hour, everything in my life would be perfect. Where does that come from? It comes from one reality. Greed is poisonous. It seeps in everywhere that we do not want it to. It is like a poison gas. If you know anything about gas, it's real hard to stop gases from getting in somewhere. Greed is like that. I'm going to talk to about the four people in this room. Have anybody ever seen Lord of the Rings? Oh, it's more than four. Okay, we got a little nerd crowd out here, right? So it's more than four of us. There is a wonderful, odd-looking creature in Lord of the Rings called Smeagol. And Smeagol has this ring, and this ring does something to Smeagol. He clearly has a normal life before he finds this ring. But when we find him, he is hunched back on a rock, eating raw fish, saying, my precious, right? Like it does something. And we laugh at Smeagol, but we are Smeagol. When it comes to our money and our stuff and our time, we cover it and it's my precious. And we don't let anything touch that thing. Because greed is poisonous. My fear for the church of Jesus Christ is that we would let greed control us. My fear is that we would let the default of our culture become the default of the kingdom, and we would change the church to look more like the world. See, the fear is real because, like I said, everything in our culture tells you how to get more money. That's how people get scammed. People get the, the easiest way to scam somebody is to tell them you got some money for them. They will, tell, they will give you everything. They'll be like, what you need? My social security number? How? Okay, all right, listen. Right, and it, it does something. We will do it for a discount. We will get scammed over 50% off, all because we desire more accumulation. But as I was preparing this, I realized something, that, that greed just doesn't take over in the way that you hoard. Greed is so destructive, it taints the way that you give. The text we read said, we don't give begrudgingly. We don't give out of obligation. And I felt like most of us were like, oh, no, I don't give begrudgingly. I don't give out of obligation. But our culture tells you to give when you, when you can get a tax write-off right? And you give a portion of your income to charity that the government will then not count as your income. You see, we're smart. Greed is pervasive. It, I don't listen, please get all your write-offs, but don't let that be why you give. Or if you don't feel like doing all the IRS tax mumbo jumbo, we give for an emotional write-off. We give to feel better. We give because it placates that voice enough that tells us we're not giving enough. We're not doing enough. We aren't enough. And we give out of this deep and dark place. But the Bible verse that we read earlier says we give out of abundance. We give joyfully. We give cheerfully. And to further exemplify this point, I did a little bit of a, a YouTube search over the past week. And I just searched two terms. How do I get more money? 
And how do I become more generous? Now, if you know how to count like I can, a little bit, right? We'll see. Daring faith, how to be more generous. 107, 107,000, 46,000, the true key to generosity. That is a TED talk. 14,000, seven ways to be a more generous person. But if we come over here, how do I make more money? Nine passive income ideas, 11 million views. Get paid, 2818 every 10 minutes. That seems like an odd number. 2.6 million views, 7.5. Pass- how is it half an idea? Passive income ideas to easily make you $500 a day, 1.3 million views. I told you I ain't never really been good at math, but two things I can tell. 11 million is bigger than 107,000. Culture does this to us. And I can't even count 107,000 video. That's a church. The highest viewed video on the internet about how to be more generous is a church. Thank God we're doing something. Right? So it is a church. But we have millions of different people trying to figure out how to get more money. Number one, you could access internet. So for some of y'all, you're probably doing a little okay. A little okay in the world that we live in today. But you see, I want to camp out here because this does something to you. When every chance you get is somebody popping up on your TikTok, popping up on your Instagram reels. Hey, stop right quick. Let me tell you five ways to maximize your income. What child? Like, I don't even know you, right? And so it does this thing to you where even if you want to be generous, culture pulls you toward greed. Church, we got to fight it. We can't let greed become the default of who we are. We have to continue to fight it. And we don't give to get something back. We give, I'm going to stop for a minute and talk about Jesus, who gave his whole life. And you know what he got back? Us. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I ain't worth giving up your life for. I tell you that right now. I know me. Right? And so maybe I won't speak for you. Maybe you are a gift. Maybe you are all that in a bag of chips. I'll speak for myself. Jesus gave his life to get me. And I am toe up from the flow up. From the day I was born to the day I stand before you, I am a ratchet mess who needs Jesus. Right? And so I stand before you. Thank you. I got a thumbs up in the back. Thank you. Right? So (laughs) all of that to say, Jesus gave up everything to get us, and we struggle to give up a cent of our income. And it's because greed and generosity, they aren't actions, they are mindsets. They aren't actions, they are mindsets. A person is greedy or a person is generous. These our mindsets, which means, as the Bible said, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds when it comes to generosity. Because if you don't, greed is like a rip current. We live in South Florida. A rip current will come and grab you and sweep you up all the way to the middle of the ocean. And by the time you're out there, you're like, child, I don't even know how I got out here. And that's, that's what greed does. You'll be following Jesus for years. Get an inkling of greed. And by the time you look around, you can't see the cross or your shadow. Because greed will sweep you up. 
And so we need to have our minds renewed towards generosity. Now I'll break down generosity for you biblically speaking. God has always required giving of people. It's what separates him from all the other little G gods that exist. So Abraham, when God calls Abraham, one of the things God says to Abraham is, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You see, God is like, I'm going to bless you. I am going to multiply things in your life. And he does not tell Abraham anything to do with that except for, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Biblically speaking, there is a minimum requirement for generosity. Maybe you've heard this word before. It's called a tithe. Tithe meaning a tenth, a tenth of your income. That was the bare minimum required in the Old Testament. That is what God has always required. And you're like, well, Pastor Malik, I was reading and I saw a TikTok, and the TikTok said we don't tithe no more because that was Old Testament. Let me talk to you for a minute. Jesus was talking to a group of Pharisees, and he said, listen, y'all, like, y'all are ratchet, but you do tithe on the mint and the cumin. You tithe on the smallest things. And then Jesus said these words. Which you, have, which you should have continued to do. Jesus does not say, now that I'm here, we don't do that anymore. So much so that the New Testament church, after seeing and meeting Jesus and being filled with the Spirit, upped 10% to 100%. Right? Like, the Bible says they all gave and they had all things common. What changed? What ups 10% a bare minimum to 100%? There was a guy in the middle called Jesus. And when they encountered him, he helped them to realize that everything I have is a gift. And so generosity flows out of me because I have seen my Savior and I realize I don't need all this stuff anyway because I have him. So it went from 10 to 100%. And so this is a biblical principle. And but listen, money is the beginning of it. But we live in a world that is lacking kindness. We need to be generous in our love, generous in our time, generous in our grace and our forgiveness, generous in the gifts of the Spirit. We are generous in all we have because we have seen a different light. Generosity has to flow from you. And it has to flow from seeing and believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And listen, this isn't a sermon. We're not going to pass no offering plate after this and be like, now give me your 10%. Like, we don't listen. I will tell you my goal right now before we even get to the end. My goal for us is to leave here so in awe of the goodness of God. That any time we see somebody, the first thing we have to ask is, how can I help you? I want us to live a Chick-fil-A kind of life where it is my pleasure to help you. Right? Listen, one of my old, my old youth pastors is now one of my best friends. And he, I remember he, he was discipling us around generosity. And he said, listen, y'all, I don't want God to give me things and they corrupt me. And he stood in front of us and he said, listen, anything I have, I'm willing to give. And he, was, and he said it jokingly in the moment. But he said, listen, if you want the tie off my shirt, I will give it to you. 
after the session, one of the young people came up and was like, but I really do want your tie. It's really nice. And the man took his tie off and gave them his tie. And I start, and I watched over the course of his life. So many times he would start service with a tie on, and by the end of service, I'm like, bro, where's your tie? He like, somebody thought it was nice. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of odd. But you see, that's the heart. The heart is somebody sees something that God has blessed me with. Child, it's yours too, because he is our God. Everything, you need a ride to church, child, he got me this car, let's go. Because everything that we have was given by a generous God. My goal, the desire of my heart is for the church to be known by generosity. Listen, maybe I'll give you a quick history lesson. Universities, put that on the back of the church. We started those out of generosity. Orphanages, put that on the back of the church. We started those out of generosity. Everything, the Red Cross on the back of the church, generosity, all of this stuff. Civil rights movement, it was just Black History Month, it still is for me. Listen, civil rights movement on the back of the church because when we live a life of generosity, it transforms culture. If we live in a stingy world, it's because we have a stingy church. So if we want a kinder world, we desire to be a kinder church. And like I said, I don't say this to somebody who's got it figured out. I say this to somebody who every time I open that budget, that generosity line looks at me. And it's like, listen, you can free, like, like you, can, you can touch this. But we fight back against the powers of this world to look more like Jesus. And if you're like, Pastor Malik, I don't got no money. That's fine. What do, you, what do you have? What has he given you? Because he's blessed you with something. He's blessed you with a gift, with a talent, with a resource. He has given you something. And he wants it to be a blessing to the world. Are you passionate about fitness? Please, we might need a, a fitness marker church. I'll join for a week and then pray for me. But... Are you passionate about cooking? Find a way to bless the world around you with what God has given you. He doesn't bless you for it to stay in your hand or you end up like Schmeagel, gray and wrinkled and having nothing to show for it. Because that is the heart of the God that we serve. I pause here to tell a story. When I was in Gainesville at, at the last breakthrough, I sat down with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike was sharing the story. Pastor Mike said... There was a man from Greenhouse Gainesville who was in the grocery store, and he was behind a lady at the register whose card got declined, and she could clearly not afford her groceries. The man who attends Greenhouse Gainesville walked over and said, ma'am, I don't mean to intrude, but can I cover this for you? And the woman, after he covered it, said, you must go to Greenhouse, because only y'all do stuff like this. Church, listen. As much as I love this church, as much as I am committed to serving Greenhouse Church, my heart's desire is for us to be that generous so that once we do it, somebody goes, you must follow Jesus. Because only y'all do stuff like this. I want us to be forgiving, church. And when somebody who has wronged you and who has done evil against you, I want you to forgive them so quickly that they say, it's got to be something about this Jesus. I want you to do so much good for the sake of the gospel so that Jesus is glorified. Because the Bible says, let your light so shine before men so that they would see your good works and not, not pat you on the back. 
not give your church a round of applause, but glorify the Father in heaven. Church, do you know what's on the line if we're not generous? God's glory. Do you know what's on the line if we're stingy? The witness of the church. And I will be dead in my grave before I stand in the way of God's glory in and through my life. I don't know about you, but I wish, listen, I wish you could feel it the way God feels it. Why? Because Jesus was that generous. Jesus embodied that. Jesus encouraged us to have a kingdom that would have these sorts of values. And anything less is less than God has encouraged us to be. And I don't want to be less than my Father has given me the ability to be church. I want us to be more generous. You see, because greed is the default of our culture. But generosity needs to be the default of the kingdom. It needs to be the default of those who call themselves followers of Christ. We need a hard reset towards generosity. And I made this point because, honestly, the text, though this isn't the motive for our our giving, the text is clear, God does bless those who give. That's Bible, right? This isn't prosperity preaching. Y'all can keep that at the door. But this is the Bible. This is the gospel. So what we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase of your resources so that you could flex on all your haters and so that all your enemies could see how much money you have and so that you could get a chain and pop your collar and so you could lift your car. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he will increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. If he is in this season increasing your resources, if you are being blessed on every hand, I encourage you to let him produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I encourage you, if he is blessing you, to let it produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And like I said, not just here at Greenhouse Church, we are partnered with so many missions organizations. There are so many people who need what you have. We let what God has done produce a harvest of generosity in us. But you see, that's not just the only place this message appears. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Right? And if that's not enough, let me get you to Jesus. Jesus put it like this. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. I mentioned earlier that greed exists where faith does not. When faith exists and we give to God, he gives back to us. Because the Bible reminds us that he is not going to be a debtor to anyone. And so we give to the poor. We bless the needy. The Bible says true religion that is undefiled is this. It is caring for the orphan and the widows. It is caring for those in need. That is the point of the gospel. That is what makes Christianity different. God blesses those who give. And so we give to be like Jesus. We give because he is so good and he is so generous and he has given 
all that we have, we give because God is good. But there's a better blessing that comes from giving. More than him increasing your resources. I told you, like, what did Jesus give? He got me. He got us. But at the end of it, he got eternity back with his father. And if you think anything on this world can compare to heaven, I want you to know heaven is where God lives, and we live here. Like heaven is where the king of the universe sits on his throne. So what is the biggest end, the end, end of our generosity? It is sitting next to our Savior, knowing that we gave all that he gave us. So at the end of life, we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I'm still living to hear, well done. I do what I do to make my father proud. I wish we could all wake up in the morning and say, God, how do I get a well done from you today? How can, because this, listen, your salvation is secured, but that isn't the end of the gospel. If the gospel that you believe does not change the world around you, your Jesus isn't big enough. If the gospel you believe stops with him ascending, he isn't strong enough. Because the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, transcends culture and reality. He transcends space and time. And through you, he can transcend the needs of those around you. And so my encouragement for you, if there is an application, is jump all the way in on generosity. Don't, don't jump back and forth like me at a swimming pool because I can't swim, right? But instead, <laughs> jump all the way in on generosity. We have been praying, I've been praying, we've been praying. I wish that you all could see, like we've been praying for this week, for each of us to be faced with a crossroads of generosity. And you're like, Malik, you're praying for obstacles in my way, as long as they get God the glory? Absolutely, you have as many obstacles as God wants. But we're praying so that when you cross this crossroad, Something in you that comes from the Holy Spirit jumps up and seizes the opportunity. What do I want you to do this week? I want you to pray every day for an opportunity to be generous. I think we pray for our needs every day. So let's pray for our generosity every day this week. And then he will, by his goodness, put that opportunity in your way. Seize it. For the glory of the kingdom of God, be generous this week. And as you do it this week, let it become a habit. Let it become a lifestyle. Let it become your mindset. If you are a parent, raise children who embrace generosity. And for all of us who are microchurch leaders, let our microchurches jump all the way in on generosity. Because this is the heart of God for his church. And we do this because our God is generous. We do this because he has continued to outpour his resources. So our generosity is nothing more than a meager reflection of a good, good father. He has given us every single thing that we need. Why? Because our God is generous. Listen, I believe that you earned your money. I believe that you worked hard for it. I do believe that forgiveness isn't owed to anybody. I, you know, I can agree maybe on some of us, on some hands, that you don't owe nobody love. Sure. But Jesus didn't owe us his life. 
And we give because we look at a cross that bears the marks of a Savior. The most popular Bible verse in the world is, For God so loved the world that he, that he, that he. Jesus, let that be the heart cry of your people. Because God didn't hold back his son from us. He bore the marks of our sins on his back. I bear you to ask you to bear the mark of generosity in your budget. Put it as a budget line, not an afterthought. Make it the first thing that you think of. Because God is generous and he has given us everything. Worship team, y'all could come up because I'm done. Our God has given us everything, church. He bled on a cross to give us his life. He is good and his mercies endure forever. Our generosity reflects his. If you ever find it hard like I do, in the moment to be generous, just think about Jesus. Think about what he did for us. The sacrifice that he paid for us. And let that fuel your generosity, not out of shame, but out of gratitude. Out of gratitude for all that he has done and all that he is. And so we live a life that says, Jesus, in light of who you are, I reflect you in this way. Church, we're going to end, and we're going to end in a bit of a unique way. Like I said, we're not passing no offering plates. But I want if for a moment you could sit and contemplate God's goodness to you. Think about how good he has been, how many ways he's made. Life might not be perfect, but it's better than it could be. And we acknowledge that, so I ask for a brief moment of contemplation, a moment where we sit and we thank God for all the things that he has already done, all the prayers he's already answered, all the things he's already healed. And I want us to sit in that moment, and I want us to thank him. I want us to prayerfully thank him. Prayer team, you guys can come forward as we do this. Church, if you're here and you do not know Jesus, I can promise you one thing. He gave his life with you in mind. And so as we sing and as we contemplate, I invite you to come. Give Jesus your life. I can't promise it will be better. I can't promise you won't have any problems, but I can promise you, you will be committed to someone who loves you more than you love yourself.